Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Taryn Howell, one of the pastors here on staff, and I want to say welcome to everybody in the room, everybody online, and an extra, extra big welcome to all of our first-time guests. We are so grateful to have you here with us, so thankful that you have joined us. Today, we're kind of doing something a little different today. We just got off of a six-week-long series called The Bait of Satan, and this The Bait of Satan is really all about being trapped in offense and about forgiveness and withholding forgiveness, and it was an awesome series. I learned a lot going through this. I hope you did too. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on Facebook or on YouTube, but I recommend highly going and doing that. Next week, like Rick talked about, is Encounter Sunday. So we have this week in between where we didn't have, uh, we, we didn't really have time to start a series, but I had something very important that I wanted us to do this week. So I'm really excited about what we're doing, but I got to set it up just a little bit. Got to just let you know. Uh, about a month ago, or maybe it was two months ago, we started this strategic planning. And I know that sounds very businessy, but strategic planning is good. This was after you know, kind of coming out of COVID, it was a way for us to say, what does God desire for our church? What does God want to see happen? Not what do we want to see happen? Not what do I want to see happen? What does God want to see happen? And Erica Carr uh, led us through this. She leads our first impressions teams, or I like to say Dr. Carr. She's Dr. Carr now. So, uh, and, and she led us through this, and she does this for other organizations, and she is just phenomenal, so thank you for that. And several people were involved. But when we went through this strategic plan, and we really just said, what, what goals does God have for First City? Now, I'm not going to go all through that today. We will have a day that we go through that. That I'm planning on that being the first week in January to kind of kick off our new year to get us all together on the same page. But today I want to talk about just one aspect of it, one thing that we want you to begin on if you have not begun. We want you to grow in. And I would say this is the most important thing you can do outside of giving your life to Jesus. If you've never made that decision to give your life to Jesus, to surrender to him, to ask him to save you, to confess to him and confess that he is Lord, that's first. That's, that's step one. And so I want to highly encourage you to do that. Uh, but this is really the next thing that all of us need to make a habit of doing. And it's very simply just to spend time with Jesus every day. That's it. That's the whole message. Okay, we're not like get out. It's the whole message. But that's that's really all we're talking about today. Is spending time with Jesus. So I had to do a little research on this, and I found out that in 2019, Lifeway Research uh, did a study, and they they studied churchgoers, and they defined churchgoer as somebody who had been to church at, in the past six months and. It's kind of a consistent, maybe a little inconsistent, you know, depending on who you are. But I've been in the last six months and, and found out that 32%, this is just in America, 32% of them, uh, of those people, those churchgoers, spend time in the Word every day. Or at least, I, I'm thinking they're probably not legalistic about it, like you missed a day, you don't get to be in this category. No, it's not, not, not that, but, but they're, they're consistent in being in the Word, 32%. Uh, now, it's worse in the Bible Belt. And so we are kind of considered Bible Belt. I know we're Florida, Florida sometimes. Yeah, but it's worse in the Bible Belt, which I thought would be better. But I, I think what it is, and this is just me guessing, is that you know, people in the Bible Belt think, well, I already know the Bible. Like, I, don't, I don't need to get back in the Bible. I already know it, right? And, but, and so it's worse. And they didn't have an updated one for 2021. That was 2019. But since the, the latest studies show that all of that has been on the decline since COVID. 
So I don't know what the actual number is, but it's, I don't, would say it's not even 32%. It's going to be lower than that. But our goal for you and our goal for our church is, is this. I just want you to see this. Our goal is that 80% of First City Church membership would spend intentional time with Jesus daily. 80%. So that's, you know, you'd like, you're like, why isn't it 100? Well, because we're at 30 right now. So we want, and not, I don't think, I think we're better than average. We're probably a solid 35. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we are, but I, I like to think that we're better than average, but you know, that's probably wrong with me. But you know, this, this is where we want to go. This, and, and the reason this is so important, the reason this is so important is because if you want to grow in Christ, this is the number one way to do that. I would, I would argue that this is more important than coming to church. Really, like this time every day. Now, don't just not come to church now. We want you here because, uh, you know, another study I read in the middle of this, I debated whether I was going to share this. Is, uh, this is a Gallup poll, not a Christian poll. It's a Gallup poll said over, since COVID, mental health has declined in every demographic of our country except for one, except one, people who go to church. That's it. I think there's a reason for that. So anyways, getting back to this. Uh, this to me is the most important thing you can do. This will change your life dramatically. I, I, when I was eight years old, I grew up, my parents were in ministry. When I was eight years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized. I didn't really know what all of that meant, but I knew enough to know, like, Jesus is Lord. The rest of it we'll figure out later. And, and that's really what he asked you to do anyways. You don't have to have it all figured out to give your life to him. But I, when I was eight years old, but I never really studied my Bible. I mean, it was probably 15 years later, at least 15 years later, before I, God really put it on my heart that this is not a habit of my life. And so I had to begin to do that. And when I began to do this, it, I'm going to say it was really uncomfortable at first. It was kind of weird. I didn't pray very consistently. And praying just felt like, am I talking to a wall? Or what, you know, what's going on? And I didn't really know where to start in the Bible. I even knew it a little bit. But... You know, and, and so that habit was a hard thing to develop at first, but it was very quickly on that I realized the need for this. And I began to desire this in such a great way. In days that I would miss doing this, I could recognize that I had missed doing this. I mean, I knew because, and it's not that when I read the Bible on some days, those days were all perfect and everything, you know, butterflies and rainbows and all that stuff. It wasn't that. I mean, my days would still be awful, but I got to see them through the lens of Jesus. And through the lens of eternity, right? You, you get to see that. So I want to give you today just a, a couple of things. First, the why. Why is this important that we spend time in the Word? And then a how to do it. And the how, for some of you, may seem pretty basic because you've been a Christian for a long time. But I'm assuming that maybe some of you just haven't ever done this. Maybe you're brand new with us. And so I'll give you just a how, and this is, this is a way to do it, not the way. But I want to show you first why. And here's, here's my, the big thing is that I have four reasons why you should do this. There's way more than four. These are four that I found I came up with. And it's all about things that the Bible shows you or the Bible re will reveal to you. So if you want to follow along in your notes, you can. And the first one is the Bible will show you you. The Bible will show you you. It will show you yourself. In Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, we read, For the word of God is alive and powerful, 
There's no other book that's alive and powerful. Alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I want you to think about that for a second. It's the word, you, can, you can sit down to read your Bible, and there will be things, expo- God will use his word to expose things in you that you need to change. And it might even have nothing to do with what you're reading. You're reading about Noah and the ark over here, and you're thinking, like, I got to go repent for something over this way. That has nothing to do with this, but it's because that, that's what this book does, because it's alive. And you may think, I don't know that I want it to expose my innermost thoughts and desires because my innermost thoughts are sinful and, you know, perverted or sexually immoral. Or they're, but I just want you to know, they are for everyone. Everyone's innermost thoughts a lot of times are very awful, right? And God has a way to bring that out of it to, and, and find freedom from that. He'll expose that. And this, this process can be a painful process at first, but I believe you'll begin to love this process and have a desire for it. This is sanctification. And that's a fancy word, but that's just when you give your life to Jesus at first, you're not perfect then. Okay? You don't, it's not like you have it all figured out uh, and that, well, now I'm never going to sin again. It doesn't work like that. You give your life to Jesus, and then the same day, usually you, you sin again, right? And, and this is the process of God making you look more and more like his son, Jesus, making you more like him. And, and another verse that I just really love that, about how it shows you yourself, it's, it's more about it'll bring out the good in you, too. And I, I don't have this actually on the screen. I have this in the notes. It's Psalms 1 one through three. And this is one of the first, when I first really got into reading my Bible, I read this and I was like, that's it. That's like my mantra for reading the Bible, why this is so important. Psalms one, one through three says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But verse two, listen into this, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Okay, so what happens to these people who delight in the law of the Lord? Verse 3 says, They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. They're like trees planted beside a riverbank. You get this picture. Okay, you're delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on God's word, that you're like a tree beside a river. So it doesn't matter what the season is. It doesn't matter if there's hurricanes or fires or floods or whatever is going on. You are growing, flourishing, prospering. Think, doesn't matter what the season of our climate, our culture is. And you can think, our, I would argue right now, our culture is not in a great spot, right? It, it doesn't matter. You can still flourish by staying grounded and meditating on God's word. And I even love that last line, and they prosper they prosper in all that they do. They'll be successful in what you do. Successful in God's eyes, not necessarily successful in the world's eyes. Then you stay grounded in the word of God. Okay, number two. Number two. The Bible will show you your path. Now, we've got, we got to do something. I always have to, I, I like to bring something on stage. So I've got to do something a little different for this. So if y'all will, can y'all, can y'all go to the next verse and cut the lights on this for, for just a second? We, we did practice this, okay? This is not... Now, I don't want to hear any snoring, okay? So if I hear, 
you know, this could be a really good time. If somebody went to the bathroom and they walked back in, we could scare them or something. I don't, we probably don't need to do that. I'm sorry. That's my immature brain coming out. Okay, so this next verse, I, I love this verse, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, I don't think what they were talking about was this fluorescent LED lamp or something, but I think this gives you the idea of it. My, my cousins used to go, when they were growing up, they would go spelunking. You know what spelunking is? It's like cave exploring. And my oldest cousin, I remember him telling a story. Uh, I didn't get to go because I was younger. I'm still a little bitter about it, but I'll move on. Uh, my <laughs> oldest cousin, though, my oldest cousin, he, at one time, I don't really remember what happened, but he lost He's in the cave and he lost his light or some reason. Or, or like, I think the light went out and he had extra batteries, but he couldn't find the battery. Anyways, and he went into this. I mean, he was terrified. You ever been in a, in a place, once you think about it, ever, ever in a place that it's so dark, you just, you can't, you know, I know it's cliche to, see, to say you can't see your hand in front of your face, but you literally cannot see your hand in front of your face. And you're in these caves, you're in this cave you're, and you can't see anything. There's not an ounce of light coming in. There's nothing coming in, and so your lamp is, what, is really what saves you. And this is the picture we get here, that we are, we are in a world where we are completely surrounded by darkness. If you haven't figured that out yet, you've got to just open your eyes, pay attention. We are surrounded by darkness, and God's Word, it says, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, so we know where to go, we know where to step, so that we can see when danger is ahead and danger is around the corner and we know where to go and where not to go, I mean, how many times in our lives do we say, God, I wish you would just tell me what to do and then I would, then I would know, then I could do your will, then I could, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. God, if you would just tell me. And I think God's response is, go to my word. Go to my word. Listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. You want to stay away from danger? Go to my word. Listen, you are, we are hearing more voices right now than I think in the history of time that people, we have more voices speaking into our life right now than ever before. And if you're on social media for more than two minutes, you know that most of those voices aren't positive, they're not life-giving. Why not let the main voice that's speaking into you and your path and where you're going be the voice of God? Listen to Him. Listen to what He has to say so that He can light the way for you to show you where to go. I would also argue, the, the psalmist doesn't say this, that just, this is just Taryn's argument for it, that the more time you spend in the Word, the more your light grows. The, the more that, the more that the, your path is exposed in front of you, the more you know where to go, and, and you can stay grounded in what God has for you. All right, we can, we can kick the lights back on and go to point three. Is everybody awake? Still good? I saw somebody dozing off. Okay. Number three, the Bible will show you an eternal lens or give you an eternal lens. The Bible will help you see things in light of eternity. Uh, one of my favorite pastors to listen to, Andy Stanley, says, when you see as God sees, you will do as God says. 
know, when you can see things the way that God sees them, when you don't, right, you know, most of the time we walk around, we see what's right in front of us. We see, I got bills to pay and the kids and, you know, crazy. And then I got this at work and it's all right. What's in front of us, what we're facing. And when we do that and something in the world happens bad and you think we're going to, our economy is going to collapse and all of these things are going to happen. And you begin to panic based on what's happening right in front of you instead of seeing through an eternal perspective. But I want us to look at this verse here. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, Paul says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I don't know about you, but sometimes my present troubles don't seem small, okay? Sometimes they seem pretty big. They, they're small and won't last very long. Like, yeah, right, Paul. Uh, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. This is so good. This is so good. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul is trying to get us to see eternity here. Don't, we're, we're, we're so focused on what's right in front of us. And the more time you spend in the Word, the more time you will see as God sees. The more time you spend in prayer, the more you'll be able to see as God sees. You'll see the world around you differently. Chaos and tribulation and suffering, they're, they're going to happen. It's, it's, it, you can't help it. Uh, you can't, but you can see it through the eyes of God when you spend that time with Him. I, I, we had uh, about 13 years ago, maybe been closer to 12, I think 13 years ago though, uh, my wife and I had a flood that came to our house. Like, we had a flood in our house and the water only came up, we were living in Atlanta at that time, the water only came up like six inches was the highest spot. And you would, like I got up and I thought, well, six inches isn't that bad, I'll get a mop out or something. I didn't, I didn't know at all. But six inches means you have to get rid of all your furniture because there's potential sewage coming in and mold and all this stuff. We didn't, I didn't understand this. I had talked to several water restoration. Anyways, I had to get rid of all our furniture. We had to cut out the drywall in our house everywhere in our house up to two feet because you have to go a foot and a half above where water was to make sure that mold because mold will grow up into it I, I don't if you're a construction person you can verify this or tell me i'm a liar i don't know but, th but this is what we were told this is what we did but i remember this flood coming in we had just recently like in the in, the, in that year uh became foster parents for the first time and we were also pregnant with our daughter zula and I remember this flood coming in, and I was so distraught when this happened. I remember I was so distraught. And, and part of my problem at this time is I, I would say I wasn't really grounded in the word the, the way that I should be. And I remember a, a very specific prayer. I remember where I was standing. You know, sometimes you look back in your prayers, you're like, what was I thinking? Like, what? And I just, I'm confessing my sin here. But I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, do you not see what I'm doing for you here? I'm a foster parent. And, and I, it really was this woe is me. Like God, almost like, God, you owe me. You know, and why would you let this happen? I, my attitude was, was pretty terrible during this, I'll say. But thankfully, God is gracious with me. And he is with you, too. And I, I just remember this being very devastating, though. And then God took us through this and revealed to himself in such incredible ways. And then fast forward... 
12 or 13 years from that event, and we experienced something very similar. Many of you know about this. Just two, week, two months ago, August 5th, our house burnt down, if you didn't know this. Our, I mean, our, our whole house burnt down. It was, well, not the whole house, but it was enough of it that they said, it's a total loss, you lose your house. Praise the Lord that all my kids made it out, my wife and I made it out. We got 10 people out of the house in about 45 seconds, by the grace of God. And uh, our dog, unfortunately, did not make it out, but we're thankful that our kids did. It was a devastating thing. I would never, never wish this upon anybody, but I remember that the day that it happened, we, it was about the craziest day you can imagine, Probably 10 hours into the day, I don't really remember exactly, it's a little bit of a blur, but my wife and I were talking. Somebody had taken the kids to help so we could get some stuff done. My wife and I were talking, and we talked about the flood from our house from 13 years ago, and we kind of brought that up, and we said, aren't you so excited to see what God is going to do through this? I pray that he is glorified through this, and I, I, I promise you I don't say this to bring any glory to myself. Because that's only by God's grace that we're even able to say that. But we had such incredible peace through this. We, didn't, we did not worry. Our, our biggest concern was that our kids and the trauma that they'll face from this. It really, everything else was like, God, we know you're going to take care of it. That was your house anyways. If you, you know, you're you're going to have to get us a new one or whatever you want to do. If you want us to live on the street, you know, we'll do that, I guess. That's a little strange with eight kids. That's a lot. But okay, you know, well, if that's what you're calling us to. And, and there was this incredible amount of peace from God that we had. And because we, we really, and, and not that we did perfect through this, we really messed up still, but we really, for the most part, could see this, that, okay, God is doing something. I don't know exactly what it is, but he's working. And so I'm, I'm just going to sit back and keep praying and let him work. And God showed out in an incredible way through help and support. And we're in a new house now that fits our family much better. I, I mean, we've been blown away by what God has done. And just what he's brought us through. And we're thankful that he gave us this peace in this time. But to see things like this, I, you have to be grounded in God. I, and I would say it's a consistent going back to God to know that when trouble does happen, when chaos does happen, all right, God, this just happened. You're, I know you're going to take care of it. So let's, I'm excited to see what you're going to do. You know? So, okay, last thing, last thing. And then I'm going to say this is... This is by far the most important. Above everything else is the Bible will show you Jesus. You've got to land on Jesus, right? I mean, it's got to be Jesus. But the Bible will show you Jesus. Uh, Philippians 3, 7, and 8. I love what Paul says here. Paul had just finished talking about, he's like, I, had, I used to think all of these things in my life were really valuable. It's like I used to think my, really talking about his education, the way he lived his life, and he had all these things. I used to think they were really valuable. And then he goes into this, and he says, but whatever were gains to me, those things valuable, not gains at the gym or something, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Everything in my life that I thought was valuable is garbage when I line it up with Christ. Which one's worth more? These are garbage. This is Christ. Everything is garbage in comparison to knowing Christ. And 
I, I would argue if you're not in the word, I don't know that you can really know who Christ is. I don't know that you can really know who Jesus is without reading his word and letting God reveal that to you. And really, the, the whole Bible is about Jesus. The whole Bible. I, I, Jesus has this, this moment in Luke uh, 24 in Luke 24, where he's on the road to Emmaus, this is after Jesus has died, uh, he was buried, resurrected again, and he spent some time on earth, uh, you know, going and doing different things. And one of them is that he, he walked this road with these guys, and he's, he's explaining to them about how Scripture is about him. It, it says, then Jesus took them through, so he's, he's, he's kind of teaching them through the, the writings of Moses and all the prophets. So he's talking about the Old Testament here. They didn't have the New Testament yet. Uh, uh, writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus is the key in scripture. He's, the Old Testament just reveals how great the need for Jesus is. Get into the New Testament, the Gospels are about Jesus' life, and everything after that is just pointing, go back to Jesus. If you're missing it, go back to Jesus. Go look at Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and to encounter him, you must be in the word. The Pharisees even missed this. In John 5, uh, we just read this in our small group a couple of weeks ago, and uh, made me remember this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Like, you're trying to argue the scriptures, but, and, and we do this same thing. We go, sometimes we go in to, to read the word, uh, to read our Bible, and we go in because it's like, I want to argue a point. I'm guilty of this. I'll go in because it's like, I want to prepare a sermon, or I got to prepare something, and so I'll be looking at it for that, or I want to argue something, or I want, you know, whatever the reason is, instead of just, I want to get into scripture to know and experience and love Jesus in a greater way. And that should be our mindset in going into it. Okay, so I want to walk you through just a little bit of how to do this. How do we do this well? And if you've never done this before, if you've never just taken time out of your schedule, if, if to you, it's like I open the Bible on Sunday morning when I'm at church and that's pretty much it. I'm going to give you just a real basic way to do this. Uh, for those of you who you've been Christians for a long time and this is a part of your life, you can feel free to zone out for about five minutes, okay? Well, but that's okay if you want to. But here's just three things that I would recommend. If you're just wanting to get started in this is one, choose a time. I would even calendar out time. Why are we willing to schedule in other people and not Jesus into our calendars? Schedule in Jesus. Like, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't meet me at this time. This is my meeting with Jesus time. I know that sounds a little goofy, but sometimes we have to do this with our schedules. Our schedules are crazy. Calendar out that time. Choose a time. I would try to make it a consistent time. And I know this is difficult because life is crazy. I get it. Um, me, my time that I, I found that works well for me, at least most of the days, is I have kids that... First set of kids get on the bus at 6.20. Yeah, 6.20. That's awful, okay? I'll pray for me about that. That's, I got some words. To say. Anyways, um, sorry. That just brought me to a dark place right there. <laughs> 6.20am, yeah. Um, and then my next kids, I, I take them because they go to school really close to here. I take them to school, on, but I leave about 7.30. So 6.20 to 7.30, I use... About 30 minutes of that time getting ready. I'll make breakfast for the kids and myself or something. But then about 6.30 to 7, 
That's, that's my time right there. That's, the, that's, that's Jesus' time right there. That's the time that I try to schedule. And listen, it, it, sometimes it's, it's like, all right, things are running late, and I got five minutes. I, okay, well, I got five minutes to do it then. And don't be legalistic with it, don't, but, but try to be consistent in it. Choose a time, and then choose a place. Jesus talks, actually, so much about this, about he would go off in by himself and pray, go out in the wilderness to be alone with the Father. And, you know, he, says, he also says, when you pray, go in your room and shut the door. And sometimes you just have to do that because the kids are so loud or whatever, whatever distraction it is. I would say find a distraction, make it distraction-free as much as you can. I can't bring my phone with me to do this. I, I can't because as soon as it dings, I'm like looking on my phone and I'm on Facebook or something. And I, get just, I just get distracted too easily. I do. And so I, I have to remove those distractions. My place is my front porch. That's where I go. You can come and sit with me too, but you got to be quiet during that time, okay? So, but it's my front porch after the kids have left because if I'm inside, there's too much going on. Um, and then choose a plan. And I, I, don't, I don't necessarily mean a Bible reading plan, although I think that's a good thing. I try to read through the Bible every year. Some years I get all the way through it, and some years I, I'm slacking off a little bit and I don't. But choose a plan. And here's, here's what I'd recommend. If you have never done this before, never done it before, schedule out 15 minutes. That's, start with that. And do, I would say, do five, first five minutes... Put on a worship song that just speaks to your heart, that gets your mind in the right place. Listen to that worship song. Sing along. The next five minutes, spend that in prayer. And ask God through his word to reveal to you what you need to hear. And then the next five minutes, read a chapter. Just one chapter a day. Start, start doing something. And ask God even in that. I try to pick out one verse to just, just kind of memorize or, or take out. It, listen, this is not, you don't have to make it real complicated. Do, do what God is leading you to do. If you spend the whole 15 minutes in prayer, great. That's not a loss for the day. That's great. You know, don't be legalistic. Just, just do it. That, that's, that's the goal of this, is to get involved in it. If you're not sure where to start reading, like we can talk through all these. I could be up here a long time talking about this. What version of the Bible is good to do? You know, we can go through all that, but I'd start in the New Testament. The Old Testament, if you start there, you're going to get to Leviticus and think, whew, this is, a, this is rough, okay? This is, and it is. I'm just, it can be. It's not, I, I'm learning to love Leviticus, slowly but surely, right? Uh, but start in the New Testament, maybe Luke and then Acts is a good way to, to start, but uh, spend that time. Okay, I got one last thing, and then, then we'll close out. One last thing. Uh, there's a story in the Bible, really short, five, like five verses. It's only one time in the Bible that you see this. It's in Luke chapter 10, and this, I think, pinpoints what I'm trying to say better than anything else. Uh, I found this kind of late in my, doing my study for this, and I was so excited. It's like, oh, that's perfect, perfect. I'm sure you, maybe you've heard the story before, maybe you haven't, but this is Luke chapter 10. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. So Mary, he's invited to the home of Martha, Mary and Martha. Mary goes and sits at Jesus' feet. Now, scholars will tell you, she is taking the form here of a disciple. It's sitting at the rabbi's feet, listening to what he's saying. But Martha was distracted. Oh, that's a good word. Why don't we get distracted so easily? By a big dinner she was preparing. 
Now, don't, uh, first, don't get on to Martha about this, too. If Jesus came to your house, you would think, i got to feed him. Okay, this is what you do. I'm going to make something good, my best dish. I want to be ready. You know. uh, but she came to Jesus and said, so Martha came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? You can tell she's steaming. She's not happy about this one. Tell her to come and help. Tell her to come and help me. You can tell Martha's like in the kitchen, like banging pots and pans around. Like, come on. She's, uh, you know, and, and make it, you know, just getting more and more upset. She's just sitting there being lazy. Doesn't she know we got to prepare this meal? Now, I, I want you to see also, Martha is doing the culturally appropriate thing right now. She's doing what is considered right by everyone in society. I'm making a, di- a, a dinner for my guest. This is what you do, especially this guest, right? Listen to Jesus' words. So powerful. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, a lot of versions say, Martha, Martha. Like, oh, Martha, you're missing it. You are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You're getting caught up in all these details. I want you to think about how this applies to your life. What are the details that you get caught up in that keep you away from Jesus? The things that we think, well, we can argue, no, they're important. And Jesus didn't say, what Martha's doing is awful. You know, it, it wasn't. What, there's just something better. There was something better to do with your time, with your energy. Mary knew what it was. And what was it? Well, it was spending time with Jesus. Spending time focused on God. Spending time learning from her teacher, from her rabbi. So my last thing is your primary concern. What's the primary concern for her? What's the primary concern for us? It's Jesus. It's spending time with him. It's being focused in on him.